I'm Noah, and you're listening to Product Journey. So, Aaron Francis, welcome to Product Journey. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Um, I think the first time I found you was on Twitter, and you had this thread where you were like, basically you built like a little office in your backyard, it seemed like, with like a shed. And Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure that's the first time I saw you, and I was like, wow, this is really cool, because I actually... I, I still have plans to do that someday for myself to build a little like shed office kind of thing. So is that still where you work out of? Is that that yeah, shed? Yeah, that's, kind of that's where I am right now. That's where I'm recording. Yeah, the uh, the shed quarters, as I call it, was my first big like, um, I guess Twitter presence or thread or something. I'd been on Twitter for you know really? ten or fifteen years, whatever. But then I decided like, hey. I've been working on this thing that I think is really cool and I should be sharing it more. Um, and so I just started like sharing about this little shed I was turning into an office and people seemed to be into it. And it's been, it's been a blast. It's been way too much work, uh, the actual building, but being out here is Uh very cool. That's pretty cool. That's interesting. That was kind of your first like sharing and and getting on Twitter and stuff. It must've went well enough that you're like, I'm going to stick around because you've been posting and doing stuff since. Yeah, that was kind of like, I'm glad it went well. But previous to that, I had made a decision to like start sharing things more and start being more public with the stuff I'm working on. And that was just one expression of it. Yeah. Well, so my my plan is to build a shed kind of like that in, I don't know, probably still two years away. We we have, um, so we have two kids, one on the way. But we have three bedrooms in our house. And so right now we have our kids in one room and we have one guest room. And then I have the third room as my office. Um, And so the plan would be, you know, eventually, you know, I'll have more kids. Maybe I'll get bumped out of this room and I need Mm -hmm. to find somewhere to make a good office. And and it seems like with the shed kind of thing, you can kind of make like the perfect office, like the perfect amount of space. You know, it's it's out in the backyard. It's kind of. Uh, its own thing and so anyways that's kind of the plan is to maybe maybe I'll have to start on it earlier than if I'm going to need it in two years maybe I'll start in a year or something I don't know yeah. but I, I'm really looking forward to it because I'm, I'm starting to already think about it and like imagine like ideas and things I want to do so anyways with all your experience any any pointers or anything <laughs> I should I should watch out for with uh, making um, this yeah definitely start sooner than you think (laughs) it's a it's a lot it's a lot of work um you're in are you in seattle yeah yep yeah so i'm in texas so obviously ac is an absolute must i'm not familiar with seattle well enough to know um i would have someone else do the wiring of the shed i didn't do that myself the electricity um i did osb walls like plywood walls because i thought it would look cool and it was a total failure and i had somebody plaster over them so just do drywall just hire somebody to do drywall yeah um (laughs) and then yeah why was the plywood a failure though um one it felt really like the plywood was kind of dark compared to like these white walls and so it felt a little cavey um Mm. it had like a cool designery look but it also smelled like plywood. So I would come inside every day smelling like a Home Depot, which is fun for like day two or three. And then after three yeah. months, you're like, man, I smell like plywood again. Um, so that was less than ideal. The way I did it is I had somebody build the shed itself off site here in Texas, mm-hmm. and then they delivered it to me um, 
fully built and then I did the finish out on the inside. And so I would do that again. You can get one like mm-hmm. pre-made, but they're crazy expensive um, to like have a, have an office delivered. Um, so yeah, just, yeah. I mean, you have to enjoy, you have to enjoy like actually doing the work cause it's a lot of work, but it's also a lot of fun. Um, these cabinets yeah. are Ikea. I would highly recommend Ikea cabinets. Um, and like you said, like it's fun because it can be totally separate from the house. Like it doesn't really, the inside doesn't have to match the style of your house at all. It can right. be just like an office exactly as you want it. And that, that's kind of amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I think it'll be fun. I I'm, so I'm not like a construction person necessarily. I've done a little bit growing up with my dad or whatever, but I think that's actually what I'm kind of looking forward to too, is like kind of my first foray into like teaching myself how to do some of those things, build some things. And I think that would be fun. So that's kind of the plan for sure. Um, how do you, how do you get Wi-Fi out there? Like good Wi-Fi? Oh yeah, that's a good question. I, um, bought some outdoor rated, uh, ethernet cable and then the, um, I guess our router inside, I plugged in this outdoor rated cable and then ran it through the attic and then over overhead through the yard and then dropped it down into the shed and I turn it back into Wi-Fi out here. So I have a wired connection to the house and then a Wi-Fi access point out here that's plugged into that wired connection. So I get like I get like a hundred down and a hundred up out here on Wi-Fi. So Nice. You could that's you could awesome. bury it, but that's a huge pain, and you have to get a different type of cable, um, and you can't bury mm-hmm. it alongside the electrical cable, so it's kind of a pain. So I just ran it overhead. Yeah. Okay, that's cool. Um, well, yeah, lots of things to for me to look forward to with that. So much. Yeah. Project. When you get started, DM me, and and we'll we'll talk more about Definitely. that. There's a, there's a lot of stuff there. Yeah, for sure. Well, so you've been up to a lot. I mean. And recently too. So you're you've been working on Hammerstone, which is kind of your entrepreneurial project that you've been working mm-hmm. on for a while now. I think um, you were at Tuple, but I think recently you're just now at Planet Scale. So congratulations yeah. on on thanks. Planet Scale. That's really cool. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, yeah, I've been uh, I've been at Tuple for not not very long, um, and I was there there at the end. I was the past couple of months. I was only working there half time. Um, because I think Ben and I realized like the role that I was in was was maybe not what Tuple needed, and so I was down to half time, um, just doing some of the like developer marketing stuff, um, mm-hmm. and then kind of Planet Scale, which is a database company. Planet Scale kind of came out of nowhere. I've I've been friendly with them on Twitter for a long time, and I love what they're doing, yeah. and the whole team there is really great, and. So I've been friendly with them on Twitter for a long time, and then they came out of nowhere and were like, "Hey, do you want to work for us?" Um, and they made me this really great offer to come join their developer education team, um, write a yeah. bunch about MySQL, do videos, do streams, and you know, do it full time. And that was just kind of like, that was the perfect kind of the perfect opportunity for me. So yeah, as of uh, as of next week, probably by the time this podcast is released, I'll be a Planet Scale employee. Nice. That's. Yeah, that's exciting. Um, so yeah, you, you were at Tuple for just a little bit there. Mm-hmm. And so how, how was that? Like, you know, a lot of us, you know, probably heard of Tuple, listened to Ben's podcast. So it's been mm-hmm. kind of fun yeah. to kind of have an inside look at that company a little bit. Um, so yeah, I'm just curious, like, how was it working on there? You were doing like, I know you were going to do like some kind of 
documentary or something like that yeah totally for tuple yeah so working there was great i mean i've been a listener of ben's podcast for years and years before i started working there and so it was kind of fun it was kind of fun to like hear about it from the outside and then go work there and be there on the inside um it's a it's a great company i mean the product obviously i think everyone knows the product is amazing pair programming tool um everyone there is super warm and friendly it's not a huge company it's like i don't know 10 Mm -hmm. people or something um totally remote um they do you know when i joined i went on site to boston i think it's outside of boston i got to meet a lot of the people in person which was you know that's always fun um, mm-hmm. But yeah, as far as like my role, I joined kind of to do um, like developer marketing, like marketing engineering was kind of my title. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so then Ben had this idea of like, let's do this documentary. And so we started, you know, working on that. And I, it just wasn't like totally inside my skill set. It was very like pure marketing, like I'm not mm-hmm. a market. I'm not a marketer. I am a developer who doesn't mind, you know, giving talks and writing articles. Talking and stuff. about like it, yeah. I, yeah, talking about the development part. But when you take away like the development part, I kind of feel like I'm out over my skis a little bit. Like I'm really good at talking about developing, right? And the things that I'm working on, I'm good about talking about that. When I'm left with just talking about stuff, I don't feel super confident, um, and I'm not like a I'm not like a marketer, you know, if Corey Haynes were in that role, he would just totally be crushing it, but I wasn't super crushing it. Um, I didn't feel like Ben was always very reassuring. He's like, yeah, you're doing a great job. And the whole team was always super supportive. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of the route it took. Um, And then after a little while we decided like, yeah, maybe like a developer marketer at Tuple is like, maybe that is a little bit weird. So why don't, why don't I switch to halftime and um, we cut out some of this other marketing stuff that I was doing. And so that's kind of how the role evolved. Um, And then, like I said, planet scale made me this incredible offer that I was like, could come do the developer marketing on stuff that I'm actually developing and talk about that kind of stuff. And it just seemed like a perfect fit. Yeah. So it was like, even with going to tuple kind of with this idea of like a developer marketer, it was already kind of like a, not a a normal thing necessarily it's not like most companies have something like that so in some ways it was kind of like a test a little bit or a guinea pig like let's see how this works Mm -hmm. try this out um so that makes sense um are they still doing the ben and i ben and i were both super upfront at the beginning that like he was viewing it as an experiment and i was like willing to go along with it and like yeah it, it sounds totally fun to try Um, and so I don't feel like, I don't feel like I got rug pulled or anything. Um, I have nothing but, you know, good feelings towards Tuple and Ben personally. Um, it was just a thing where Ben was like, Hey, you seem cool. You want to come try to do this here? And I was like, Hey, you seem cool. I'll come try to do that there. (laughs) And it was like, "Ah, I don't know. I don't know if that actually worked in the end, but Hey, it was worth a shot at least. Yeah, for sure. Um, do you know, are they still going to try to do the documentary kind of thing? Yeah, I think so. I think they're going to I think they're going to follow through with that. Um, you know, the people we picked some people to go on vacation, so those people are going to those people are going to take those vacations and then I think um they may cut the scope a little bit on the documentary, but yeah, they're, you know, we've got a company. 
we've got a company engaged to do the documentary and already have some footage done. So I think they will. Um, I'll, I'll be, I'll be curious to see how it turns out, you know, from the outside I'll yeah. get to watch the final product. Yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty cool. So you, I'm curious, like, so now you're, you know, I think you kind of turned into like a developer, as you said, that like is talking about it. You go to talks, you do things like that. You kind of share things online. Was that something that you kind of envisioned like in your career that you'd be kind of like a, almost like a developer advocate kind of role? And it was, and I guess, how do you get into something like that? Like, how does that happen? <laughs> um, yeah, that's a good question. I can only describe what I've done. I don't really know, like if you're trying to break into developer adv advocacy, I, I don't really know. Um, but I'm, I can totally describe how it happened for me. I mean, I think I've always been prone to teaching. Um, I actually got my, my degree, my college degree in accounting. And so when I was in college, I was an accounting tutor as well. Um, just cause I really liked accounting, which this is really nerdy, but I just loved accounting. And so I was an accounting tutor and I found tutoring to be a whole lot of fun. Um, and so I think I've always just really enjoyed learning and teaching. I saw you t recently posted that you'd love learning. Like I've, mm. I feel the same way. Um, mm -hmm. And so I've always enjoyed that. I think there, there was definitely a switch in terms of my career, maybe 18 months ago, two years ago, um, where I decided like, I'm going to start, I'm going to start posting on Twitter more. I'm going to start sharing what I'm doing more and that kind of has led me to where I am today of basically everything I'm, I'm learning or doing, I'm sharing. And that has taken the form of like writing articles or doing conference talks or doing a lot of tweeting. And that has just increased my opportunity by like order of magnitude, just because people are aware of me. Like, I don't think I got mm -hmm. any smarter like I'm still, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm still at the same, I'm still the exact same person, but now people are like, oh yeah, I have seen him on Twitter. I read an article he wrote. So, um, I'll reach out to him and see if he wants to do that. And so GitHub recently just did this big article on, uh, their readme project about mm -hmm. me. And that kind of tells that whole story about <clears throat> like, I was basically just scared to put myself out there. And then when I decided to put myself out there, kind of everything changed. So that's kind of how I got here. I don't know, like, how do you break into developer advocacy? No idea. I, I just yeah. kind of stumbled <laughs> backwards into it, I guess. No, that makes sense. Yeah, it kind of sounds like you just start talking about, about uh, developer stuff and uh, sharing it. And now you're kind of like the database guy, I guess. Uh, I mean, yeah. you kind of slowly become that. Um, which has been interesting. I've seen some of your um, Twitch streams, which has been kind yeah. of fun. You've been, you started doing that. Um, uh -huh. What what made you want to start doing those streams? Yeah, like I said, I I, I enjoy teaching. I find being on video doesn't um, you know doesn't stress me out or scare me too much. You know, always before I start, I kind of have to psych myself up. But once I get going, I feel pretty comfortable with it. Um, mm -hmm. And you know, just like purely rational i looked at like the landscape of like developers you know public facing developers and if if you put it in a pyramid like there are a lot of developers who are tweeting and then fewer who are blogging and then fewer who are doing like youtube videos and then maybe even fewer who are doing live live coding videos like live streaming mm -hmm. and so i thought well the competition is probably much lower for 
live streaming. They're like, they're just, especially in the Laravel space, there just aren't really that many people live streaming. Like I could name maybe the other two people that do it. And so yeah. I thought, eh, I'm, I'm good at it. It's fun. And there's nobody else doing it. So why not? Yeah, no, that's, that's fun. I've thought about, or I've tried to do it a couple of times and uh, I've thought that I think it is fun to do and I, I'd like to do it more. Kind of my problem is my computer seems to like really have issues when I'm like live streaming and like running some code and like everything at once. So I, yeah. I'm going to have to get a new computer soon anyways, but that's kind of what's holding me back at this moment. But I don't know, I could, I could see myself maybe going in a similar direction because I do like, kind of like you're saying, like I like teaching, I like learning, I like sharing things with other people. And, you know, I don't think my main thing is going to be like software development for the rest of my career. Mm-hmm. I don't know, like I, I just, when, once I have gray hair and stuff, I'm like, ah, am I really going to want to like be like banging out code most days, you know? So yeah. there's got to be some kind of transition like that where it's like either going more into just like fully entrepreneurial, just like making like, you know, more like CEO kind of roles decisions or mm-hmm. like more teaching kind of stuff um, or managing, obviously. Like there's there's lots of different directions you can go from just being a, a fully software developer. But, you know, I'm, I'm always kind of thinking about that. Not that I want to, I don't like doing what I'm doing right now. I really like what I'm doing right now. Sure. I just, you know, once I'm older, I could see like transitioning some way to being less of a software developer. Um, so at, at your new role, well, so actually, with Planet Scale, I don't think yeah I haven't heard I never heard of Planet Scale um, before seeing you kind of jump over there. Is that oh, nice. can you tell us a little bit about Planet Scale and what they what they do? Yeah, totally. Um, the pitch won't be super tight because I haven't started there and I don't know the official <laughs> yeah. company line, but it will be super honest because I'm still an outsider. Um, so Planet Scale is I mean boiled down, it's hosted MySQL databases um, on top of on top of that, though, they run um, an open source project on top of MySQL called Vitess. Um, and they're actually like, they've adopted the project and it's fully open source and they fund a whole bunch of developers to work on it full time. Mm. And what Vitess does is it sits on top of MySQL and um, basically gives you sharding. So you can run you can run a whole bunch of MySQL shards without having to muck around with doing it yourself, basically. So the, I think the, probably the shortest pitch is like, it's like RDS, but better. So like if you're using um, AWS RDS and you have, you're running a MySQL instance, it's kind of like that, but it also adds sharding on top of it. And the whole thing is hosted. Um, So it takes all this pain out of, like as application developers, which I think you and I are not DBAs as application developers, it makes it so much easier to spin up a scalable MySQL database. Um, And then their billing model, it's pretty interesting. I think it's a, it's a serverless billing model. So you pay, you pay based on usage. Um, And so you trade, you trade some of that complexity for usage based billing um, as well. So if you have a you know, and they have a free tier, of course. Um, and so you basically get like kind of the promise of, of Lambda, which I think is like infinite scale. You just pay for it. You get that with your database. So, you know, your database is not going to fall over 
and you're going to have to have downtime while you scale it up. It's just like, no, you just, it's a serverless billing model. You pay for what you use. Okay, cool. You're, uh, you're already doing your job even before you. Oh man, I, I know. I, I hope I don't get, <laughs> get DMs and people are, people are like, no, 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 no. You did a terrible job. So, uh, <laughs> if I'm wrong, I don't work there yet, but I think I'm right. So <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, that's cool. Um, so that's, that's exciting. You'll start that next week. Um, what kind of, cause I know you've, you know, you've done some entrepreneurial stuff. You've been working on Hammerstone, which also does some things with like, um, queries and databases and stuff totally. like that. <clears throat> so what kind of went into your decision of like what you work on, what you want to work on, you know, working for somebody else? Like, mm-hmm. were, were you wanting to kind of do Hammerstone, like grow that to be your, your full thing or mm-hmm. yeah. What, what was some of the decision making between going working for someone else route and the kind of entrepreneurial route that you've done some of already? That is the ultimate question, isn't it, Noah? <laughs> um, so, I mean, yeah, so, so I've been working on Hammerstone for a little while. Um, we build components for Laravel and Rails applications. The one we, We've built a couple open source things that have done pretty well. The one commercial one that we're selling, we've sold maybe ten or fifteen thousand dollars worth, um, and it's a, it's like a filter builder. So if your, uh-huh. if your applications, if you want to offer the ability to your users to filter data, so you want to say like, show me users named Aaron and living in Texas, and you know, hit the button, we'll handle all of that for you. And so that's the thing that we sell. So the question is like. What is the what is the calculus on working on that full time versus working a job? Well, the calculus is I have a stay at home wife who takes care of our two children. I mean, that that's the calculus. So we need um, one. We need money. We need U.S. dollars so that I can put food on the table. And the other is we need like we need health care. Um, and those things are like those things are super important and hard mm, to yeah. work around. And so then, so like if you hold that constant and say like, okay, well, Hammerstone is not viable in terms of full-time family support right now. So that's just a constant for me. There's no decision there. Um, The next question is like... Were you uh, working kind of full-time on your own entrepreneur stuff or did you always kind of have a job? I've always had, yeah. Okay. For the past, at least the past six or seven years I've had a job before I got married, I was doing full-time like freelance stuff, but that kind of changed, um, when I got married. Got so, it. um, yeah. So then if you hold it constant that like the money has to come from somewhere, so it can't just be Hammerstone. I guess the next question is, do you want to do freelance or do you want to work for a company? Um, and I think for me personally, um, like I only have, I only have a certain, like hustle budget and my hustle budget, like I want, I want my hustle budget to go to Hammerstone. Um, and this is something that I, I think you and I could talk a lot about, like how much energy do you have for which projects? Right. And so when it comes to like, where's the money going to come from, you know, in five years, sure. It would be great if Hammerstone made me and Colleen super rich, but right now money's got to come from somewhere and I can't hustle personally. I don't want to hustle on freelance or consulting and hustle on Hammerstone because my hustle budget will be depleted. So then I'm left with like, what's a great company that aligns with like my interests and my passions and stuff I want to be doing. What's a great company where I could go work and like actually enjoy the work I'm doing and like not, 
like not be looking to escape. I think that's a hard part for like indie hackers is a lot of them are trying to escape their jobs and that puts a lot of yeah. pressure on, on the side business. Um, and I've seen right. like, I've seen people leave at like, you know, a thousand MRR and I'm just like, what, how are you doing <laughs> this? How are you, how are you going to live? <laughs> and I think that's a lot of times cause they're trying to escape. Like they're trying to escape a, a job situation that they hate and I've been fortunate to not be in a job situation I hate. Pre-Tuple, it was a fine job. Tuple was a great job. Planet Scale, I think it's going to be an amazing job. So, yeah, that, that's kind of that's kind of my thought process. Yeah, no, that that makes a lot of sense. It's kind of one of those things where, like, for indie hackers, I think if you're trying to escape, it kind of makes you not, not like what you're doing and just have to escape. Like, it's it, it becomes like the only option eventually once you're trying to yeah. do it long enough. Like, I remember for me, I was working a full-time job for almost like a year while I was doing Potion. And in the beginning, it was like, great. Like, it was kind of like my plan. Like, I I'm, I can't, you know, I can't go do my own thing until it's like more steady and stable. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I knew that was the plan. But once I started to think like, hey, maybe I could go jump over here and just try to do my own thing, it started to make me not enjoy... Um, my own job or my day job as much. And then it kind of, kind of bugged me more and kind of pushed me a little more like, uh, I kind of want to go just do that. So it, yeah, it is kind of a funny thing with, with indie hackers, um, you know, just trying to make the, make the business work and, but not, you know, if you jump out too early, it's like, you're just gonna, you're just gonna like, you know, fail because it's like putting way too much pressure on this little business that, maybe, you know, maybe you can't get it to grow as fast as you need to be able to support your family and all that. And just, it just adds a lot of stress. So I'm definitely for kind of, you know, kind of what you're saying, like, I'm definitely for not making your situation super stressful and just trying to make a, you know, a little kind of a business that's, you know, maybe small at the time, just like work when it's not ready to kind of work. Yeah. And there, I mean, I I hear, arguments on the other side of like you just need to go all in and just like just give everything you have to your business if it doesn't work it fails like sure that i mean yeah (laughs) that would be awesome if and i'm speaking totally for myself and my risk tolerance that would be awesome if i was 25 and unmarried and had no kids i wouldn't mind failing like i could move you know i have a great family i could move back in with my parents at at 25 if i needed to but at this point with my risk tolerance and respect to my wife, I don't want to take that risk of like, yeah, I'm just going to go full time on this thing where we have no backstop and it could totally fail. And like, then she's along for that ride. That just doesn't work for me. And I understand that I'm in a different situation than a lot of people. Like for example, my partner at in Hammerstone, Colleen, her kids are a little bit older um she's worked for longer her spouse has worked for longer like her spouse is still working um and i think they get health care through through his um through his job and so like our risk tolerances are different and so we're actively trying to get colleen to go full-time on hammerstone where i am going to i'm going to not be taking money off the table so that we so that she can take that money off the table and so even within our two-person company our risk tolerances are just super different and um that's okay like don't read twitter and feel like everyone's talking to you sometimes they're not talking to you they're talking to somebody with a different risk tolerance than you 
Yep. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I think, yeah, that's the other thing is like we're in like this little bubble on Twitter of like entrepreneurs and indie hackers and software developers. And when you're seeing that, it can make you think like, oh, this, you know, seeing like businesses that are doing well or people sharing that they're going well or whatever, it can make you feel like, oh, I, I can do that or I should, I need to do that. And the, the truth is it's like, it's really hard to get something off the ground and get a business to like actually make money and stuff. Um, I, I just think about that all the time. Like I feel, I'm, I feel very blessed. I've been able to get potion to the point where it is now. Not that it's like a huge success, success or anything yet, but just even to get to where it's at, like, I'm like, wow, how, how did this happen? I'm, I'm kind of, it's kind of seems like it was just random a little bit in some ways. Um, cause it is, it's such a hard thing and it's like, it takes so much time to like push something to that point. Um, mm-hmm. and so, yeah, like basically just not comparing, like you can get stuck comparing to what other people are doing on Twitter and feel yep. like, you know, that either you should do that when maybe you shouldn't or that it's easier than it really is. Um, cause you know, people like to make things sound like they got things figured out. Yeah. Um, and you, you have to be careful. Cause if you say anything on Twitter, Daniel Vasallo will come in and say, you should be taking more bets. And Jack Ellis will come in and say, you should yeah, be focusing more. Yes. And then Ruben Gomez yeah. is just eating popcorn, watching the whole thing happen. So yeah. So yeah. I'm, I, I'm that's curious. That's I'm, basically what they do. That's <laughs> I see them I on Twitter all the time. That's, that's their roles. I know. I know. It's great. I love love it so much. I took I took Daniel Vasallo's small bets course and it was great. You know, I love Jack and everything they're doing at Fathom and then Ruben is just the greatest cuz he's just steady as they go. He's like <laughs> yeah. he, he's never he's non-flustered the whole time. Um so I'm I'm curious to turn the tables on you to hear about Potion. I know you took this okay. detour for a little while into the web3 world and it seems like that was a lot of fun for you and now Mm -hmm. from listening to the podcast which i do it sounds like you've come back a little bit to potion so what's your like one do you does your spouse work outside the house do you guys have health care like because you're full-time indie so like how are you doing that with two kids and one on the way and how are you thinking about all of that yeah, uh, good question. So uh, my wife doesn't work outside the house. She's she's a stay at home mom, um, and so let's see how how did we pull it off? We so I've only been full time on Potion for beginning of this year, basically, okay. um, and so kind of up to then we were kind of building a nest egg a little bit, some savings that would just make mm-hmm. it so this whole thing wasn't as risky for me to kind of jump off and do Potion. Um, the other thing that I think is allowed to do is we're pretty frugal. My, my wife, especially she's like, she's like the king or queen of, uh, being able to like, just get things as cheap as possible, mm-hmm. basically. Mm-hmm. That's a good skill to have. Um, yeah. And so, you know, she's doing that, which really helps us be able to, you know, have a lot cheaper on like the expenses and things like that mm-hmm. than, um, we you know would otherwise um the other thing that helped was right around when i was leaving my um my the company i worked at two years previous to to going full-time they they went public um and so it 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 ended up the actually right around then is when like the stock market kind of tanked um it would have been way more money for me (laughs) like the stock options that i had 
It ended up being, I think, around like $35,000, something like that. So it was okay. still like a nice yeah. little amount that allowed just some like freedom a little bit to be like, all right, we have we have some money here. Um, and so we can we can do this. And so with the amount of money that Potion makes right now, we're kind of just like break even. Like our expenses are almost exactly, if not a little bit over what I make from Potion every month. Mm-hmm. And so... So Potion, I think, is 4 to 5K MRR based on your Twitter profile right now? Yeah. It's grown a little bit the last month or two. I'm around and 40, almost 4,800 now. So getting and close you live to in, in Seattle in a three-bedroom house with two kids and a stay-at-home yeah. spouse, and your expenses are around 5K? Your wife is a freaking genius because those are not <laughs> our expenses. I mean, we live in Dallas, and Dallas is expensive too. Um and we live in a you know a two two, but man, I don't know how y'all pull that off. That is amazing. <laughs> um, okay, that that makes me feel better because I've been watching you be like, yeah, we're having another kid, and I check your Twitter thing, and it's like four and a half MRR, and I'm like, Noah, what are you gonna do? <laughs> okay. Yeah, what are you gonna that do? Makes, yeah, it makes um, me feel better. Yeah, I mean, so. Yeah, I'm trying to think. The I mean, I guess the with our house, what helped was we pretty we put a pretty good down payment on it, and so that that allowed because that's our biggest expense, right? Is the sure. the mortgage that we have, and so that that made the mortgage like monthly cost be less than what probably a lot of people would pay around here because it is a pretty expensive part of the country. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> we only have one car. So we, we okay. bought a car like five years ago for $5,000 in cash. So we don't have car payments and we only, we have to share a car, which actually isn't that much of a problem um, because I'm like at home all the time. Like I yeah. don't really leave much. So anyways, that, that at least gives you a little idea of like how, helps, how far yeah. we've gone with frugality, like yeah. only having one car. And actually our plan, like it's, it's like a, it's like a you know five seater like the smallest car you can get, um, and as of now we're still planning on not like getting a minivan once we have our, our third kid born. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, having don't like do it. three three car seats in the back of our car. Good grief. <laughs> so are y'all like are y'all like Mr. Money Mustache people? Um, a little bit. I I I know of him. I haven't read or follow much of okay. his stuff. So you're, but so you're not like a mustachian. You you wouldn't call yourself no, a devotee. No, I wouldn't. Okay. But I've probably I probably you know we probably try to follow a lot of the things that I think that group tries yeah. to do. Whatever. What is it? The retire early. The people fire. Or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. We we probably like follow. Try to do some of those things. Same things. Um, but. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's just kind of how it worked out, I guess. And and that being said, like, <clears throat> so if if potion didn't grow, I mm-hmm. yeah, I couldn't just do this forever. And I think it'd just be unsettling for me to do it forever if it wasn't growing. Like, mm-hmm. I want to see it have potential and and move forward for me to want to keep basically not making as much money to to do this. Um, yeah. Even even now, like, I'm thinking like soon I might try to pick up like a ten hour like gig a week or something like that just one i think it would actually be fun like to just like kind of use my brain split it on something else a little bit um make some extra money um and just kind of add a little bit more stability um so i am considering doing that and um maybe that'll be soon i don't know but that you know that will add a little bit of room as well for for that take a lot of pressure off i bet yeah 
Yep. So that's kind of how it how it works, I guess. <laughs> so talk to me. Talk to me about the Web three detour. I personally am glad to have you back in what seems like Web two. So the Web yeah, the you're, Web you're, three. I, <laughs> you're probably like. Uh, Oh man, don't have to hear about uh, crypto stuff anymore. <laughs> I, I will admit, and and I apologize ahead of time. You did a few Web three podcasts, and I I skipped those podcasts. So, but no, I, that, I'm still I'm fine. still a subscriber. I still listen. <laughs> so the, the city clash or whatever. So it seems like you took some time off, did that, launched it, and I think by your what you said, you weren't super pleased with how the launch went. And now it seems like you're back to potion. Did I, did I read that correctly? Yeah, that's pretty correct. Um, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun detour and, you know, I, I think it's interesting because I know there's a lot of people in tech, I think, especially bootstrappers that are very against crypto and don't like it at all. And, you know, I see, I see things, I definitely see a lot, there's a lot of problems in crypto and I see a lot of that. And I think there's a lot of annoyances too, like, you know, the the stuff that goes up on Twitter, like kind of like the the NFT stuff and, and things like that. Like there's there's definitely a lot of annoying things with this space and um, I get annoyed from it too. Like, you know, kind of the, the very like crypto bro kind of things that go on and I don't know. Yeah. So I, I understand why people are annoyed of it and don't want to hear about it. I, I completely get that. Um, but yeah, as far as City Clash, um, we were we were originally trying to sell like 3,000 NFTs. Um, mm-hmm. And then the, the kind of the market all went for like a downturn. Yeah. And so we were kind of in the middle of that and kind of seeing that we knew like, okay, we're probably not going to be able to sell all 3,000. We had a, a Discord community that we had built up to around 4,000 people. So we had we had something kind of going. We had people interested, um, but with how things were going, we kind of saw a drop off in like uh, engagement and stuff like that, like almost right away. And um, yeah. so then we're like, all right, maybe we can just like do a thousand right now and like wait later to do the rest. So that's what we tried to do: is we tried to mint a thousand NFTs. The day that we launched ended up being like the second worst day in crypto for the year like i think like before like the night before um it like pretty much everything bitcoin ethereum everything dropped like 10 percent within like Mm. in like 12 hours so everyone was super scared the day of that we were like minting like okay what's going on here so that was a bad thing um but anyways we ended up minting around 300 nfts um so it was it was something but it wasn't enough to be like, all right, we can spend a lot more time on this to keep going on it, which was kind of what we were planning on doing. Um, with 300 NFTs, I'm trying to think, we made somewhere around like $30,000 on that. Wow. Um, which That's is like something. Um, but with our project, uh, 70% of the money that like NFTs made went to like a pool that was owned by the community so it's not like that's money that's for us okay i I thought that thirty thousand was for you but yeah okay no no (laughs) yeah so that's you know what's left is you know not a ton um so anyways that's kind of how that shook out and and the project's still going the cool thing about like running code on the blockchain and stuff is it just kind of works without us 
being there. And so City Clash is kind of like this little game that happens every week. And that just automatically goes without us doing anything. There's still some people that are engaged in the community and, and trying to play the game. Um, they're not a ton of people. Um, mm. But the nice thing is like at least what we built works and it just kind of automatic and people can still play it. Um, with the community there and you know maybe someday maybe when the markets come back who knows maybe maybe it could make sense to spend a little more time there to see if there's something there or try to revive it in some way um but yeah like right now it's like it's kind of just like a side like on the side like i'll, I'll mm -hmm. help with it if there's something that comes up but there hasn't really been anything i've had to do for it but yeah that's kind of where where i'm at with that and and i think yeah, I think it was a good experience, just like learning a ton from, uh, just learning a lot about Web3, learning a lot about like the technologies, how to develop stuff on the blockchain, which was a lot of fun. And I think it just helped me understand the space a lot more. Um, and so, yeah, I think it was it was, it was was worth doing, even though it, it, in some ways it was kind of a failure. Um, so yeah, that's that's kind of, I guess, the, the background or the story on that. Yeah. And how does it feel like coming back to Potion? Do you have renewed energy for Potion? Yeah, for sure. And and that's and that's where I think I kind of went down the the Web three road originally was I was kind of getting burned out on Potion. Mm -hmm. You know, I felt like I was pushing on it, but it wasn't growing like I was expecting. So I was kind of getting burned out. And in some ways, you know, you could definitely potentially call the the route I went a little bit of distraction. Um, but I don't know what I would have done otherwise. Like, I mean, I, I could have just pushed myself through, I guess, um, through that time. But it did help, I guess, to have a little bit of a break from just like sure. trying to push against Potion all the time. Um, so anyway, that's kind of why that happened. And then the other thing, because this is always happens, like when we first set out on this NFT project, we were like, oh, this will take like you know a month and it'll be like yeah. a part-time like i'll just do it on the side and it just kind In of there, like kept yeah. blowing up and blowing up and it ended up being something i spent like five months on and then near the end of that it was more like most of my time was going to it so yeah <laughs> it's it's funny how things like that always kind of blow up in scale and it's always harder than you think it will be to, to pull something off um but yeah i definitely feel like i'm coming back with like a lot of um, motivation to to make potion grow and I feel like I like have like I know the not that it will necessarily work but I feel like I have a, a decent plan of like I think this should work like if I push on these different things work on this stuff do some different marketing things that like it should it should work it should start growing hopefully <laughs> yeah yeah I, I, I hope so and it does seem from the outside, it does seem like you have a, a renewed energy for Potion. And I totally get the, like, burning out on on a current project. I get that for sure. Um, and, yeah, taking taking a break is sometimes great. And part of, the, part of the benefit and part of the problem of doing that publicly is people will give you their opinions. Um, so, yeah, right. that, I think, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't want to, like, uh, trash on on your Web three project because I I just don't really like Web three but you you were having fun and it looked great and so like I just kind of <laughs> didn't say anything but I personally am really excited for the the potion storyline to come back because um, that's yep. that's the storyline that I just I like more um, so yep, I'm glad, no, I'm glad to hear that so what's next like what are you gonna do for potion 
Yeah, so I've been kind of starting with the product, um, you know, been sharing some about that on Twitter. So I, I basically am done with like kind of like the version two of Potion, which is kind of like redoing the whole dashboard, <clears throat> adding mm -hmm. some new features along the way that I know a lot of people have been asking for for a while and just kind of cleaning up that a lot. And so I think, you know, the plan is hopefully to, to be able to start growing and marketing this new version. And ideally, you know, this also never happens, but ideally like my plan the next couple months is like basically just do fully like marketing kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, there will be some things like, I think I need to add a free plan so that there'll be some, you know, software stuff with that. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, hopefully like I'm not gonna spend too much time on the product. I'm sure I'll have some bugs, some things to fix, but the, the plan is the next kind of the next spot is to really start doing a lot of marketing. There's a lot of SEO stuff I can do. So um, right now, Potion gets around 6,000-ish visitors, unique visitors a month. Um, and I just know from looking at the competition that I have, they get, you know, just way more than that. Like, oh, really? Just, just a huge amount more. And, um, and that was actually one of the things I was looking into some of the data was like, Oh wow! Like if I just like if I could just like three, four, you know, four or five x my traffic to the site, like that would be a huge growth um, in Potion. And uh, so it was actually kind of positive, like nice to see that some of my competitors were getting a lot more traffic because yeah. I knew like okay, there's something there. Um, obviously, I, I'm competing with them to get it, but um, so yeah, that's that's kind of one of the main plans is going towards the SEO route, trying to like grow that. Um, I think there's some things I can do with affiliate plans, um, affiliate. So there's, you know, in Notion Smart. world, there's some creators that are like, you know, pretty big creators. Everyone's like listening mm -hmm. to them that loves Notion and stuff. So if I could just get one of those people to like be on board with like using, like using Potion using as an affiliate, mm -hmm. um, I think that could grow Potion a ton. So that's, that's, I've been working on some of those relationships for a while now, and um, hopefully one of those can turn into something, but we'll see. Yeah, that that's would be kind of the other, Yeah, that's kind of the other route I've been kind of pushing on. Um, and yeah, so that's, uh, yeah, that's kind of like a high level of the, the plan. Have, <laughs> the you game listened plan. To any, have you listened to any of, um, I think it's Nathan Berry talking about early convert kit days. I think affiliates were like one of their huge growth channels yeah, in, in that the does beginning. And maybe maybe right. still today. Yeah. No, that I remember him talking a little bit about that for sure. Um Yeah, so that I think that could be a big win. Um so yeah, we'll see how that goes and um Right now, I'm kind of in one of those spaces where I've been working on the, the product for a couple weeks, and um, I don't know if you've seen this or, or felt this doing different entrepreneurial stuff. Whenever you're kind of like working on something, like the software side, I think I, you can be very motivated because in some ways, I'm in my basement right now, like pushing mm -hmm. on code. Like you kind of imagine what the future, like, oh man, people are going to love this. It's going to be great. And, and sometimes like that's when I'm most motivated as an entrepreneur, like when I'm in that stage. But the problem is, and, and kind of why I am, is because I haven't heard maybe the negative feedback or the pushback from customers or seeing like launching it and being like, oh, that didn't kind of go how I was yep. expecting. And that's that's the point kind of where, you know, rubber meets the road, right? And it's like, I could put this out there and maybe it doesn't do as well as I was expecting. And that's when I think yep. as an entrepreneur, you can get into trouble of like, 
getting demotivated or not being ex- excited to work on it. Um, yep. So it's it's a weird balance for me because like I want you know obviously you want to like put what you're built out there and get feedback and kind of um, kind of work on on that and like actually like know what what users are doing with your co- uh, your features and mm-hmm. your product and knowing how it works. Um, but I've you. I think software developers do this. Like I, get, I like the, the not having to worry about that sometimes. Just getting to build. Oh, yeah. um, so that's kind of where I'm at right now. Because so the plan is um, next week, my wife and I are actually going to Mexico. So that'll be a fun, a fun nice. trip. Um, so I'm not launching the new version before <laughs> then. That would be a nightmare yeah. <laughs> because I'm sure there'd be a lot of issues. So the plan is after that, do some testing with some customers for like maybe a week and then hopefully launch the new version. And uh, yeah, we'll see how that goes. Cool. That's exciting. That's right around the corner then. Yeah. Yeah. Should be soon. Um, the last thing I'm kind of working on, well, actually maybe you, you might, this might be right up your alley. Kind of the last thing I'm working on is making my, basically making some of my queries for some of the data that you know ah, users need queries. in the database. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> tell me, tell is, me is, more. Is making that faster? Because um, right now I kind of have this problem. If you have a website that say has like 200 pages in it, mm-hmm. um, for me to get all that data takes maybe 10 seconds, Oof. and which is way too long. The reason is because I cache all the Notion data. On, in my database and it's trying to like pull that data. So I have a table of like 40,000 rows and that's okay. like the, the cache pages, but it's like two gigabytes of okay. of data. And so I th- I'm pretty sure that's the issue is like I'm pulling just way too much data at once. And so I need to figure out how to do that in a better way. But anyways, that's that's kind of my database problem. What? <laughs> that I'm uh, on right now. Yeah, we can we can debug this uh, off the stream. But what database are you using, and what what's your tech stack? I think you're a JavaScript guy. Yeah, JavaScript guy. I'm using MongoDB um, okay. for the database and stuff. So yeah. Well, I I know next to nothing about MongoDB, but I know something about databases, so I might be able to help. But yeah, I would love to look at that here in a few minutes. Um because yeah, 10 seconds is so painful. Yeah, no, that's that's very painful. Um how did how did you end up becoming the like the database guy, by the way? Was was um, that something you had a lot of experience in in your day job or Yeah, I kind of came by it honestly. My dad is a retired database administrator so he's like he's like full-on database guy where i am kind of like web application slash database guy um so from an early early age we're talking like 12 and 13 i was using mysql and he was teaching me how to do joins and stuff like that and i remember him coming home and talking about his work and he would show me stuff that he was doing so from an early age i was like into it but then I guess, you know, just recently, like at my old job before Tuple, um, I was the primary, for a long time, I was the only developer. And then for a a while after that, I was the primary developer. And we just had, you know, we had millions and millions and millions of rows and, you know, a 500 gigabyte database or something because it was, oh man, it was this like, we, we have all the property data for the state of Texas 
and we have it for like six or seven years. And so the database just kept growing. Um, and so I just had, I just had to like, I just had to get better at it. And so I bought all these books. Um, cause I, I, I had like a pretty good working knowledge, but like I said, I went to school for accounting. So nobody ever taught me like proper theory or anything like that. And so I bought yeah. all these, I bought all these database books and just kind of read the good parts of them and just learned a ton. And then, was able to like turn around back into the kind of the web development community, specifically the Laravel space and have a good insight of like, Hey, I'm a web application developer. And I feel like I knew more about databases than most people. And I still didn't know anything about databases. And so I was able to like <laughs> use that kind of unique insight and take the database knowledge and put it kind of like in application developer terms. Um, and so that's kind of where I've, settled on my niche being is like I'm not a I'm not a proper DBA there are people there are people that know way more about databases than I do but most DBAs know way less about applications than I do and so I'm able to kind mm -hmm. of sit in the middle and be like hey I know a lot about Laravel and I know a lot about databases and that makes me kind of unique which I think is like a yeah. that's a transferable piece of knowledge and I think I stole that originally from uh Patrick McKenzie, uh, Patio 11, like 12 years ago, he said, if you can be good at two or three things, you'll be world-class at like the intersection and being world-class at one thing is really hard. And I think his example was like, I can speak Japanese pretty well and I'm pretty good at computers. And so I can go, I can go to Japan and be the English man who is able to speak Japanese and be pretty good at computers. And that makes him really rare and unique versus just like the rest of the world. So that's kind of, that's kind of where I've landed is like my intersection is app developer database and I can teach it to you. Yeah, no, that's really cool. That, that makes a lot of sense. Like, that intersection kind of idea. Um, cause you know, a lot of us, you know, some of us software developers are really good at one thing, but a lot of us, and, and maybe they're best at the, one of the best in that thing, but a lot of us, a lot of us can't be. And so finding, you know, maybe another thing to kind of tie into it, you know, makes mm -hmm. a lot of sense. I think that's probably where I'm at. Like I'm definitely not the best software developer in the world. If I intersect that with something else, hopefully I can be pretty good at something, but yeah. So anyways, that, that's that's an interesting uh, concept. Um, well, cool. I don't want to take too much more of your time. This has been a lot of fun kind of hearing and learning from you. Um, you've had a lot of cool experience and stuff. So excited to see kind of what you do next with the next chapter here with uh, Planet Scale, And hopefully see you on, on some more uh, Twitch streams. Are you planning to yeah. do more of that stuff? Yeah, I'm planning on doing two a week. So if you want to come hang out and stream uh, talk about laravel or lambda or planet scale yeah find me on twitch at aaron d francis and also on twitter at aaron d francis and thanks for having me on like i said i've listened for a long long time and uh really enjoy it and thanks for letting me turn the tables on you and ask a couple of questions yeah no those were those were good questions i need i need hard questions so and and i don't have ben <laughs> to ask me all the hard questions anymore so um yeah thanks for doing that all right, yeah. everybody. Well, thanks for listening. See you in another episode.